Man, so honored that we get to uh, be loud with our worship. I think sometimes we can be loud about things that don't matter. I think we should be loud about things that do matter as well. Amen? And so uh, love that and, and, and love when we get to worship together through giving and, and all that. So honored to have you today. We're ending our crazy good series today. Uh, you ought to be feeling good this morning. You got an extra hour of sleep, right? You, you, you're not the 830 service, so you got to sleep in a little bit on top of that. And, and, and both teams won yesterday. Come on, somebody. Look at this right here. Look at this right here. Gamecocks, baby. Right there. If you're online, you're welcome. That right there. All right, that's beautiful. You know who gave me that? A Clemson fan. That's right. It's a true story. It burned their skin when they bought them, but hey, I'm just saying. No, it was great. Uh, honored to be with you today, so thank you. Hey, we're going we're gonna to continue our series, uh, Crazy Good, today, and we're going to talk about crazy good faith. Crazy good faith, and um, we're ending this series. We're starting a brand new series next month, or next week, not next month. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about, over the next several weeks, how to make sense. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, just stewarding our finances God's way. And so we're going to take three weeks. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be an amazing time. And then we're sliding right into Christmas. Pastor Travis said it, 40, 48 weeks. All you guys that have your Christmas out right now, um, praying for you, okay? Because uh, y'all got some things messed up. We still got Thanksgiving coming, all right? Just saying, best food holiday of them all. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so go ahead and turn in, in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite scriptures, favorite stories in the Bible today. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite core values that we have here at Radiate. It's a, it's a value of faith. It's this one, go big or go home. And it's all about faith. It's all about we just need to believe God for bigger things and greater things. And the, the opposite of faith, um, the opposite of faith is not disbelief. The opposite of faith is sight. Opposite of faith is sight. The Bible says this. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for and not yet what? Seen. So if faith is the evidence of things we have not seen, then dis disbelief, right, or unfaith, that's not a real word, but I just made it, disbelief can be the evidence of things that we have seen. And if we're not careful, I want to I break it down. If we're not careful, what happens is we can believe God at this level for a season. And then if we rely on our sight more than we rely on our faith, what begins to take place is now we're believing at this level until we don't see what we hoped to see because our faith was reliant on what we will see. Are you following me? Sight is the evidence of things we are, are, is the opposite of faith, is the evidence of things we have seen. Watch this. If we're not careful, we will believe here, and then as we go through life, you ever heard this? Like, you know kids, right? Kids. I, I love kids. I got three kids. Love kids. They're amazing. I love playing with kids. I think kids are the greatest. I think they're the funniest. I think, I actually think kids are hysterical, right? And, and my three-year-old, not too long ago, he was in his room with like a piece of paper or something. And he was, he was carrying on a conversation with himself. Like by himself, just him in his room for like 20 minutes, y'all. First of all, that's one of two things. He's either got a great imagination or you really need to pray over him. You know what I'm saying? So he's carrying on this conversation and he's like talking like he's teaching and, and all this stuff. And, and, and I love kids because kids 
think at a level adults don't, don't think. They have imaginations. They have thoughts that like exceed everything we do. And you're sitting there going, well, of course, they're kids. They haven't been through what I've been through. Or they haven't seen what I've, what? Seen. I need your help today. I, I'm, I'm going to need some response. I haven't seen what I've seen. And so what we're saying is because of what I've seen in my life, I now have narrowed my thoughts to fit my experiences. And so I can't believe at the level that doesn't logically make sense because of what I've seen. Because I've gone through that heartache, I can't open up to a life group anymore. Because I've seen a church do these things, I can't trust that church anymore. Because I've seen someone deal with this this, this hardship, I now can't believe for anything greater than that because I've seen it. And, and, and here's what I want to tell you today is that we need to learn to allow our faith not to filter through our sight, but our sight to filter through our faith. We need to allow our beliefs, right, to drive our sight. We need to, instead of our sight going, no, you can't believe for that. That's not going to happen. That's crazy. You're insane. And so we pray half-hearted prayers. Hey, God, I need you to do this in my life, but we only believe it halfway simply because we've seen the opposite. And see, I, I don't know about you, but I serve a God that can do anything. You with me? God can do anything, can he? He's the creator of the universe. He created the entire universe with words. He said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. He said, let there be an expanse between the seas and the land. Boom, there was. Or before the, between the heavens and the earth, sorry. Boom, and there was. He, he created beaches, he created water, he created animals, he created men, all with his words, right? He's a God that can do anything, but watch this. He's not a God that will do anything. He is crazy good. Praise the Lord. That's right. He, he's not a God that will do anything. Watch this. He can do everything, but when I expect him to do everything for me, my faith will suffer because when he doesn't come through the way I think he should come through, now he's not the God that I based my life on because I based my God on what I've seen, not on what I believe. And I don't know about you, but I believe for some things I never saw. What did the great theologian Garth Brooks say? Sometimes I thank God for... See, if we base it on sight, then God never cared about my prayer because he didn't bring the prayer that I prayed. And if he did, we'd all be married to our high school sweethearts. Right? And, the re and none of us want that. <laughs> Unless you're married to your high school sweetheart, and then you do want that. That did not go like I thought. And so, <laughs> and so we've got like to understand the opposite of faith is sight. we got to increase some things. Now, here's the reality. Watch this. If God can do anything, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's a verse we love. We love to recite Ephesians 3, 20 when everything's coming our way. When the money's coming in, when the promotions are coming in, when our marriage is great, when our kids are listening, like all this stuff's taking place. We got the relationship. We got everything. We God is the God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could think or imagine. Praise the Lord. I'm living that today. But when it's tough, when the money's dried up, when the kids are driving you nuts, when the marriage is crumbling, when work isn't going like you thought, what happens? 
is now it shifts that I don't know if he is that God. Why? Because of what I'm seeing. And see, Ephesians chapter 3 and 20 is not an encouraging verse. It's a character verse. It's a verse of this is who God is. It says, now to him who is able to do. In other words, this is who I'm talking about today. When it's written, who I'm talking about today is the one that can do it all. But it doesn't mean he will every time you ask. It doesn't mean that every time I ask for $100,000, I'm going to get that check. He can. And God, I'm going to be sitting in the green, back in here in my office. I'm going to hang out for a few minutes. I'm going to sit down, catch my breath. If you could, like, right in the lap, I'm good. He can, doesn't mean he will. Are you following me? He can give abundantly. He can give exceedingly. So if God is the God that can give exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could think or imagine, what is the difference between what he can do and what I'm experiencing? Sometimes, sometimes it's just God making a decision that, no, we can't do that. Most times, if it's not God's capacity to give that's the issue, it's got to be my capacity to receive that's the problem. My capacity to receive, right? It's got to be a difference in what I can handle because God will never give you something that will destroy you. God doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to support you. He wants to build you. He wants to take you everywhere that, that, that he wants you to go. So he wants to build your faith. He wants to build you into something greater. He's not going to give you something that you're going to waste. Right? Let me put it like this. How many of you guys like, like coffee? Anybody like coffee? I like coffee. Love coffee. My wife likes coffee way more than me. Right? She's looking at me saying, if you do it, I swear, right now, doghouse. She loves coffee, right? I, I love coffee. I'm good with coffee. Coffee helps me wake up in the mornings because here's the reality too. I hate mornings. Anybody with me there, right? From the day I was born, I was the guy that acted like a three-year-old every time I woke up. Like I still, I'm 38 today, 38 years old, and I still act like a three-year-old. I will slap the covers off of me so hard and I will ruin the entire bed and I will get up and I will huff and puff in your face seven times every morning. I don't want to get up. Especially right now when it's cool outside and it's cool in my house, I want to stay up under those blankets and I just want to sleep. You know what I'm saying? I just want to keep snoring. I just want to keep going. I don't want to get up. I hate getting up in the mornings. I'm that guy that it takes me a while to get up. I'm getting used to a new rhythm in my life. I got some new responsibilities of leadership in my life. And I'm trying to get used to a new rhythm, a new new speed of life, right? And so they're, they're on Mondays, um, Mondays are the days I'm still riding adrenaline highs from Sundays. Like I'm still raring to go on Mondays. Like I come in. Y'all remember the bumper? The big bumpers I did for the life group message? And we talked about Like I came in, put that on, and came running through doors like a Kool-Aid man. Like... Mondays is, I'm raring to go. Tuesdays don't talk to me because I'm just, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm off the adrenaline, like all that stuff, right? I don't want to talk to nobody. So most days, I have to have two or three cups of coffee. And then about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, depending on my schedule, I'll throw back a pre-workout and go to the gym. Some of y'all are like, no wonder you got a heart problem. Two or three cups of coffee and a pre-workout? What's wrong with you? So I'll do that and I'll work out. And then by, say, noon, it's, okay, you can come and ask me questions now without me being a smart aleck, right? Because sarcasm is a spiritual gift in my life. And so I, I do the, and, and so then we can have adult conversations. Every other time it's like, uh, I just make noises. I don't really talk. It's just noises, right? And, and, and here's the thing. Some days I need more coffee than other days. You ever, you ever like that, right? 
And when I need more coffee, I need a bigger cup. Growing up, my, my granddad, my granddad, before Yetis were a thing, so Yeti makes a big 32-ounce cup. But they made these things called Bubba Cups. Anybody know about a Bubba Cup? How, yeah, you know about a Bubba Cup. You've been around, and you love the Lord. Because those things, listen, I'm not exaggerating. They were miniature barrels is what they were. Y'all, this thing was that big. He might still have it. I'm not 100% sure. This thing was about that big around. I'm not playing with you. And it sat about that high off the table. And, and it had a handle on the side. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and he'd fill it up. He, he would drink Diet Pepsi out of the thing. And I prom, I swear it'd hold a whole two liter. Like, you just poured a two liter in there and you're good. And he would drink that thing. That's what I need for coffee sometimes. You know why? Because I need more coffee. And so when I need more coffee... I've got to have the capacity to hold more of what I want. And a lot of us want more of God, but don't ask me to create more room for God to fill. Don't, don't, don't ask me to create more capacity, God. You just, you just do you, but don't change me. See, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, I die to myself daily. Why did he say that? Because if I die to myself, that means myself is getting out of the way so that God can take center stage. A lot of us want God to do something. The problem is, is we don't want to get out of the way of it. Did you hear what I said? We don't want to, God's not going to fill a full vessel. How many of you are going to go find a full cup of water today and then go pour more water in it? Nobody. Don't make sense. God's not going to do it either because it wastes the product. It wastes the blessing. God's not going to do that. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, he talks about what it looks like in a, in a crazy story. He talks about what does it look like to create capacity for God to give more, to do more, to bless more, to, to, to expand faith in, in our lives. And how, I don't know about you, but I'm going to ask it again. How many of you guys would like more faith in your life? You'd like to increase your faith. I'm going to give you what that looks like today. In fact, God's going to give you what it looks like. Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. It says this, it says, now a certain woman of the wives of the prophets of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. You don't get a few. And you should go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels. And you should shut the door or, or you should, um, and you should set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not one vessel more. And the oil continued. No, the oil what? That's important. The oil stopped. And then she came, and she told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. I think it's interesting that we need to look at this story through the eyes and the emotions of the widow. In, in, in that day, we have to understand women had no, call, had no value outside of their marriage. Whomever they married was their value. 
And so when she comes to Elisha, she looks and she goes, Elisha, my, my husband and me, we have dedicated our lives to serving you. We've served your ministry. We've been a part of Elisha International Ministries. We've done everything we can to, to be a part of what you're doing and what God is doing through your life. Like, we believe in that stuff. We've dedicated our lives to you, Elisha. And now, your servant, my husband, or your servant, my value, is dead. In other words, I have no value. And because I have no value, Elisha, I can't pay off all the debt that we have. I can't pay for the house. I can't pay for the couch. I can't pay for the car. And so now they're all coming to me for the money, knowing that I can't legally have get a job to earn any money. I can't do anything. I have no value. He's dead. He's gone. And so, Elisha, I need, I need your help because if I don't get your help, in order to pay these debts off, they're going to take my sons. And they're going to take my sons and they're going to sell them as slaves. And when they sell them as slaves, they're going to take that money and it's going to pay off the debt. But here's the other side of the coin, Elisha. Not only will I have lost my husband, not only will I have lost my sons, now I still have nothing to live on. And so, Elisha, I've dedicated my life to you. And you know how much he and I love God. You know how much we trust God. And, 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 and I've served you and God with my entire life. And, and Elisha, even though I've loved God with my whole heart, my life is hell right now. I'm losing everything. You ever felt like that? You serve God, you give him everything you have, but everything still falls apart. And he looks at her. We've all felt like that. He looks at her and he asks her one of the weirdest questions that I think is in the Bible. It's really an odd question. He looks at her and he goes, what do you have in the house? It's almost like me going, hey, can you help me change my tire? And you go, yeah, what'd you have for breakfast? I don't know, mini wheats. Does that sound good? Frosted ones. Those are the best, right? It seems like it doesn't make any sense. And she looks at him and she goes, all I have left, you got to pick up on this. All I have left is one small jar full of oil. That's all I got, one small jar. See, she didn't have a... She didn't have the double French door stainless steel refrigerator left. She didn't have the dishwasher. She didn't have a couch. She didn't have the chair. She didn't have the TV. She didn't even have cable. She didn't have anything streaming. The Roku was gone. All of it's over. She said, all I got, all I've got is one small jar. Sold everything else to pay off these debts. And he looks at her and he goes, good, go get it. Because all you need for the next miracle and season in your life is what you have in the house already. You don't need to go out there to get the source of the miracle. You need to go out there to get external things for the miracle to begin to flow. But I'm telling you right now, everything you need is in the house. And I just felt like I needed to tell some folks today. I've said it at 8.30. I've said it at 10. And I want to tell the 11.30. There's some people in the room you've been praying for a new season. You've been asking God for something great. 
You're hoping for a miracle. You're wanting to make a difference. You need to understand everything you need for God to work in your life is already in the house. It's already in you. It's already there. When he created you, he put it there. That passion, that desire, that drive, that that push, that grit that you got, that holy discontent when you see something, it's already in the house in the moment. God's going, you may need somebody to point you in the right direction. You may need somebody to come along and tell you where it is, but it's already in you in order to make a difference in your next season. You don't have to wait on an external source. The source and the miracle is in you. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because we're not a body with a soul. We're a soul with a body. And my soul connects with him. My soul is in eternal communication and connection in relationship with the Father. And as long as I'm in eternal connection with the Father, then everything that I need, he can point me in the direction and take everything that I have inside of me and duplicate it to be everything that it needs to be so that he can do everything that he needs to do to reach this world and change my life and somebody else's. Everything you have is everything you need for your next season. It's already in the house. It's already in you. Sure, a mentor can come along and go, hey, you should probably look over in this direction. You got a passion that you're not tapping into, or you got, hey, start, you need to start living this way. You need to pray that you need to think that all these things. He may a mentor, a spiritual father, whatever may come along and do that. But it's already in you. See, a lot of times we can look to external sources through social media and through uh, uh, ungodly relationships and sexual relationships that aren't in the Bible and uh, aren't biblical and all these things. We can look to everybody else for affirmation of what I need for God to do something in my life. But I need you to hear me. It's already in you. It's in the house for this church to grow. It's in the house. We just got to bring more people in the house. We got to believe more in the house for your marriage to get back to a place. It's in the house for your kids to become everything God set them to be. It's in the house. It's in the house. The source of it's already there. That excites me. It excites about half of y'all, but it excites me. I'm kidding. So he says, what's in the house? And then he looks at it. Watch this. The story continues. It gets crazy, right? He goes, what do you have in the house? She goes, I got this small jar of oil. And then in verse three, it says, then he says, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels, and do not get what? A few. Don't get a few. He says, don't, don't just get like one or two. Don't go to like the neighbor on each side and the one across the street and just get like two or three vessels. Like I want you to go to everybody that'll give you anything that is empty. I want you to go get a jar. I want you to go get anything that I can fill and get it from them and bring it to your house because I'm about to do something that is going to blow your stinking mind. I'm going to blow you away and I'm going to start with what you got in the house. See, here's the thing. I'm afraid that a lot of us have faith about this size. We got enough faith that God can heal everybody else, just not me. We got faith that God can pull me out of a bad financial situation, but he can't take care of me when I tithe. I got faith that God can do this for that family, but not for mine. I got faith that 30-second clips on Facebook give me all the Jesus I need. 
I got faith. You see what I'm saying? Like we got enough faith, just enough faith to make us pray. We got just enough faith to make us think. We got until, until we don't. Until we don't see it. And, and I'm of this place in my life where I've challenged myself with this thought that the prayers that I pray, the depth of my prayers, are actually an indicator of the expansiveness of the God that I believe I serve. God, just get, if you can, God, just like get me through the day. God, just pay this one check. God, just do this one thing. God, just this. God, just that. God, God just. God, just. God's not a just God. Ephesians 3 and 20, he wants to exceedingly abundantly beyond. See, when I only have this faith, this is how I live. I live about this big. My theology, my study of God goes about this deep. My worship depends on whether or not Radiate Worship sings the songs I like, makes me feel the feelings I want. My, my Bible study, right, depends on if the pastor preaches a message I like or not. My connection to the church depends on if somebody smiles at me or not. Are you following me today? When we live with a faith this deep, this is what we believe God can do. And so he looks at it and he challenges her. He goes, don't go get one jar. Don't go get two jars. You know, this is what I just feel like his conversation would be if we broke it down. You know, you know how big God is. You've served him. You've seen the miracles. You've seen great things because you've served with me. You know God's bigger than one. You know God's bigger than two. You know God's bigger than three jars. Don't go get a few because I know that's what you're going to try to do. Don't go get a few. Believe that God can do something exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could think or imagine. Go and believe the bigger God. Go believe how expansive God really is. See, I believe it's not a capacity to give issue. It's a capacity to receive issue. And so he goes on and he says, don't get a few jars. And then if you keep going to verses five and six, here's what happens. It says, so she went from him and she shut the door behind her and her sons, like he said, and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. Verse six, and when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me, bring me another vessel. And he said, we're out of vessels. We don't have another vessel more. <laughs> and the oil stopped. Why did the oil stop? The oil stopped simply because there was nothing left to pour into. See, God's not going to waste his anointing, his blessing, his good stuff on the floor. He's not going to pour it into a place where it's going to be wasted on your platform. It's not going to be wasted on the floor to be stepped on and not taken advantage of. See, God wants an empty vessel to what he can fill. And when we begin to pray big prayers and we begin to set the jars out, then we begin to go, you know what? I need you to work in my marriage, God. And I need you to work on me and at work and in my friendships. Hey God, if you could, I'd love for you to to work in my, 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 my church too. And in my life group. Hey God, there's a friend of mine that's going through hell and she's she's lost everything. God, if you could work in that. And we just begin setting some jars out. And we're not just setting jars out just because, but we're really believing that God can do exceedingly and God can do abundantly and God can do beyond more than I could think or I can imagine. And when we begin to set these jars out, now we've created some capacity. 
Now I can hold something. Now I've gone from this to going, God, I'm crazy enough to think that you're crazy good at everything that you say you can do. I'm just wild enough, God, to think that you can actually do it. I'm just crazy enough, God, to think that you can take a boy from Elgin, South Carolina, and build a church that's going to impact the nation. God, I'm just crazy enough to believe that you don't want to just give me a check, but you want to teach me to steward the money. See, God, I'm just crazy enough to believe that if I put the jars out, that you can fill anything you want to fill. Because I'm crazy enough to go, I'll complete the capacity. I'll make the, yeah, I've been through hurt. Yeah, I've seen betrayal. Yeah, I've seen pain. Yes, it's hard. Yes, I've watched my marriage crumble. But I'm crazy enough to know that if I got some crazy good faith that believes I can do more than anything, that I believe I can be more than a conqueror, that I am the head and not the tail, above and not belief, that you can, beneath, that I can, God, you can fill the jar, so I'm believing, God, you're going to bring my marriage to a place that I've only hoped it would come to. You're going to bring this church, you're going to bring my kids, you're going to bring my work, you're going to bring my family to a place that I believe you want it to go. But here's what we do. Watch this. We'll set the jars up. I believe you can do it. And then we hold it. And we go. God, I want you to fill this. Fill this jar of finances. But don't you dare tell me how to do it. Just send me the check. And I'll take care of it for me. God's going, but what if it's more about kingdom principles? All right. You want to learn finances? Malachi 3, the first thing. It started in Genesis First thing is, first goes to me. Oh, uh, no, I'm good. Now, what about my marriage, God? If you could, like, I want my marriage to be right. Like, help me with my marriage. My wife needs to love me more. You know, sex would be good. All that stuff. And God, if you could. And the guy goes, okay, let's look at Ephesians 5. Are you being what you need to be? Oh, not good. I got, I didn't know it was feeling like that. Hey, like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm good. God, I want you to bless my church. Okay, good. Then you need to invite and serve. Oh, no, God, I ain't got time for all that. God, I want you to increase my faith. Okay. Then why don't, I, I want you to just start five verses a day. In 20 minutes of prayer. That's it. Oh, God, I ain't got time for that. I got travel ball this week. Well, let's call it what it is. I can't ask God to do something and then tell him how to do it. This is what I'm learning in my life. I ain't in charge. I'm a, I'm a control freak. Anybody other control freaks, recovering control freaks in the room? I'm a recovering control freak. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, just ask me. I can tell you how to do anything. I'm a control freak. I think I know how to do, I'm a smart guy, right? I can figure this out. And there's times God goes, I wish you'd quit telling me how to do everything and watch me just do it. Hey, God, if you could, I got these plans, and they're good plans, God. They will grow this church, I'm telling you. And God's like, now what will grow this church is if you back up. 
because you're just the interim pastor at this church, Brandon Golf. When you're 95 years old in a wheelchair and they get, they dipped your microphone in gold and given it to you to hold on to for the next two years of your life, then somebody else will take over. This ain't your church, bud. Sometimes God looks at me and he goes, see, I sent my son Jesus to die for the church. I'm allowing you to live for it. Why don't you just back up? Because I got it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, anybody real? See, I don't, I don't glow in the dark and have a halo around me all the time. I struggle with the same things. See, we can't ask God to fill the jar and then tell him how to fill the jar. I can't do it. Because here's, watch this, watch this. What happens at the end of the story? Verse 7, love this part. This is where it changes everything. He goes, hey, bring the jars. Use what's in the house to fill the jars. God's going to multiply it. He's going to blow your mind. And then the oil's going to stop flowing when you're out of jars. I don't know about you. I don't want the oil to ever stop flowing in my life. I don't ever want God to stop flowing in my life. I don't ever want him to stop filling me. I need to find ways to increase my capacity every day of my life because I don't ever want him to stop. I want more wisdom and I want more knowledge and I want more illumination of the spirit. And I want more, I want more and more and more in my life. And then in verse seven, he goes, now, now that you got the jars, he goes, take them. He says, take them. I'm going to sit for a minute. He says, take those jars, put them on the shelf, and create a monument, and tell everybody that comes in, I wish we could get back to the days when. No. He says, take the miracle that God's provided in your life. Sell it. And create a life for you and your sons off of my provision that is different than how you came to me. See, when we really encounter God and what he can be and what he can do, we ought to be different than we've ever been before. Can I ask you like a for real question? Sitting loaded. Don't answer it either. Out loud. How different is our life after we've asked God to fill the jars. Yeah, he healed you from that heartache. But are you different? Have you are you living a life that looks different than when you came to him in that moment? Have you gone and sold that miracle and now your attitude's different? The way you talk to people is different? The fruit of the spirit of patience is different in your life. Are you following me? Because I'm crazy enough to believe that not only does God want to fill the jars, but God wants to change my life from this day for it. See, he doesn't want us to keep coming back to him with the same crisis. He wants us to live a life that is funded by the miracle that he gave us back when. By the provision that he gave us. He doesn't want us to worship the provision, but he wants us to live a life that is in worship to it. Worship to him. 
the one that can do it. Is my life really that different now? Because if it's not, can I be real? Maybe, maybe we've set the jars on the shelf and we worship the moment more than the God. And yes, he can fill the jar, but he hasn't changed my life. And see, more than giving you anything, he wants to change everything. And, and I'm just at this point in my life and in my faith journey where I'm tired of asking for the same things all the time. I just want to live based on a God that loves us no matter what. See, He's provided for me, and He'll fill every jar I put out. See, I'm not just going to look at God and go, hey, God, if we could just have this really good church. No, God, if you could, I want another campus. Hey, God, I believe you've called us to reach thousands, and I'm going to believe for that. Hey, God, I believe you called me to invite my coworkers to church. Hey, God, I believe that you called us to be more financially generous than we've ever been. See, what jars are we putting out? Because I'm crazy enough to believe that if I trust God and I sell it to change my life, then he'll keep pouring, and he'll keep pouring, and he'll keep pouring, and he'll keep pouring, because I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to let my life change. I'm going to let every Everything shift based on what he's done in my life. And I'm here to tell you something. I know life's hard and I know you've been through some things, but I'm here to let you know that today there's dreams that are going to be resurrected back into your life. There's marriages that are going to come back and be restored. There's moments where you thought God left you to where now you feel the spirit hug you and tell you, I got you and it's all going to be okay. But what are we believing God for? And how empty am I making the job? If you would stand to your feet with me today, I just want to pray over you. And I just want to ask, hopefully in this message, it's built and encouraged our faith to a place to where I want to ask Believe, trust, worship God for more. Because I want my life to change from this day forward so that everything's different. If that's you and with eyes closed and you're in the room and you go, first thing I need to do is I just, I got to submit my life to Jesus. And I really want to. I want to walk with Him every day. I want eternity with Him to start today. If that's you and you're in the room and you're ready to give your heart to the one that gave his life, it's for you. Would you just hold your hand up right where you are so I can pray with you? I'm not going to put you on a screen or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you today. Now, if you're in the room and you'd say, you know what, I want a, I want a, I want a bigger faith. I want a greater faith. I want to set some jars out. 
and like I know I should have been for a long time, but now I'm willing to do whatever God tells me to do to empty those jars and to have a receiving capacity that blows my mind with what he can do. Would you do me a favor and just hold your hands up to heaven right now in this moment and just say, that's me. Help me increase my faith. Help me increase my capacity. Help me move towards you, God. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit begin to move in their life from the inside out, God, that whatever they're seeking you for, that God, you begin to show progress in that. God, begin to point out to some of them that what's in the house that you're going to use for the next miracle and the next season and the next moment. God, I just believe that right now you're beginning to shift some things and you're taking people places they've never been. I pray for resurrected dreams. God, for prayers they prayed for decades, God, that they would now become real prayers and you'd begin to, they begin to believe you for them again. I pray faith rises, God, that we don't just show up to church, but God, we come to church to celebrate a risen Savior and the one that's going to change everything. God, I pray that the next seven days that everything shifts in their life, that they feel encouragement, that they feel the faith rise up in them as they walk out of here today. God, we honor you. We worship you not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. And God, we believe that.